the book of Psalms, and we are going to Psalm number five. Um, I'm not 100% sure on exactly how we're going to end tonight on the direction that I have felt from the Lord in this chapter, but I do want to do some practical teaching with you up front in the beginning of this, so I would like for you to just draw your attention very quickly to our focus verse for this week, which is Psalms chapter 5 and verse number 3. If you are there, say amen. If you're not there, you're probably to Psalms 23 by now. So just back up a few and meet us here together. Psalms 5 and verse number 3. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. You will hear my voice in the morning. I will direct my prayer to you. I will look up. Amen. I will look up. You may be seated in Jesus' name. This is a, uh, this is a really cool psalm. It's a neat song. This, uh, this particular psalm is to the chief musician upon Nihaloth. And that word, uh, there's a lot of people trying to figure out what it means, it's, it's, but it's a musical term that speaks of uh, kind of the idea, if you would, of uh, blowing air into a flute or a horn of some kind. And so it was basically the understanding that this psalm was to be sung with some kind of accompaniment, that there would be uh, some kind of a flute or something played while the song was sung. In other words, it's not a song of gloom and doom. It's not a song of darkness and sadness. It is a song of recognition that when we look at the world and we see wickedness, that is not a dark thing for us. Understand, Pastor, when I tell you tonight that the world has always been dark. That is not bad news for the church. The wicked have always been wicked. But the righteous will always be righteous. And there is, a, there is a dark cloud that somehow gets connected, but I, I want to shift your thinking just a little bit. We're going to come through some, uh, maybe some expository teaching in chapter 5 tonight, but I want to help you with something. Um, there, is a, uh, there is a darkness that comes over uh, people when they start talking about the judgment of the wicked and how uh, that is going to be such a, a dark, dark time. And it is for those who have not prepared themselves, those who have not made themselves ready. But in Psalm, the fifth chapter, David says that it is in the morning that the judgment of the Lord comes before the wicked. This is the time that the Lord is looking down on the earth to judge. And the psalmist is saying here, 
whenever you're looking down to find somebody to bring judgment on, I will not be that man. I will be the voice that you hear that is directed towards the heavens because I will be looking in your direction. You could read through this psalm and somewhat come across as uh, a very strong sense of judgment in the fact that the very uh, next couple verses, verse 4, he said, Thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness, neither shall evil dwell with thee. The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. And when you take a look at this, it seems kind of dark, like David is casting the the darkness on these people. You don't like people that work iniquity, God. You don't take pleasure in what they're doing. You're not a God that takes pleasure in them. And you hate workers of iniquity. That is not the idea of the psalm. This, the idea of the psalm is that it is to be accompanied with music of joy and gladness. Because although the Lord does not take pleasure in wickedness, I am not in that number. Although the Lord does not delight in workers of iniquity, I am not included in that number. This is a choice that is made by the psalmist. And when he is writing this to the Lord as a song to be accompanied with a musical instrument, he is coming from the idea that I have a reason to rejoice. Because there is a time of dread and judgment for the wicked. But Lord, if you will give ear unto my words and hearken unto my voice, you will hear my voice in the morning. Whenever you're searching through the earth to cast your judgments on the hearts of men, let there be at least one voice that you hear every morning when my feet hit the floor that says, Lord, I will give thanks unto thee. I will magnify your name. I will lift you up. I tell you right now in a world that we live in where darkness is everywhere and gloom and doom and all the pity stories that you want to find, I think it ought to be all right that there should be at least a voice in the morning when we rise to our feet that we stand in the glory of our God and say this is the day that the Lord hath made I will rejoice and be glad in it I'm going to tell you folks tonight that if you're looking for bad news you don't have to go very far It's as near as a text. It's as near as a tweet. It's as near as a newscast. The other day I was driving down the road. We have Sirius XM in our car. I turned on the news for a few minutes, seconds. And when the news started in, I thought, well, that's enough of that. Who's mean to who? Who's been cruel to somebody else? Who's messed this up? Who's messed that up? Who's cussed who out? And who's cheated on so-and-so? And 
on and on and on. And I thought to myself, it's really no wonder people are depressed. I'm not talking about some uh, crazy riddle. If you want to get depressed, you get depressed pretty quick. You can start focusing on everything you wish you had, everything that you wish was different. You know, get up in the morning, your car may have to crank an extra time before it really fires off. And so you start talking about, man, I wish I had a car that didn't do that. And the focus should never be on how many times it's got to turn over. Just the fact that you got one. Come on now. And so the focus cannot be on the fact that I may have some things to do today that I really don't want to do. But the fact is that when I woke up, I woke up. My eyes were working. My heart was pumping. My lungs were breathing in air. It, it could be way worse than it is right now. Yes, I may have some things on my plate. That I don't want to do today. But when the eyes of the Lord come searching through the earth. You're not going to find somebody over here in darkness. You're not going to find somebody in wickedness over here. You're going to find somebody that just wants to say thank you Lord. For another day of breath in my lungs. Thank you Lord for life one more day. Thank you Lord. Yes. So. I mean. We could spend some time talking about this, but, but, but I want to shift this thing around for you. I want you to understand. When you read down through here, Thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness, neither shall evil dwell with thee. The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. Thou shalt destroy them that speak leasing. The Lord will abhor the bloody and deceitful man. And it sounds kind of dark. But it's a psalm of gratitude. He said, but as... For me, verse 7, I will come into thy house in the multitude of thy mercy and in thy fear will I worship toward thy holy temple. Can I tell you that what the psalmist was really saying is, Lord, I understand that there's some things that have to happen to them. But I just want to tell you that I'm grateful for another day of mercy. And you will not find me walking among the wicked trying to figure out something to be negative about. I want to thank you for another day of mercy. So, he says, as for me, I will come into thy house in the multitude of thy mercy. And in thy fear will I worship toward thy holy temple. Why is this a big deal? Why is this important? For the very same reason he said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. For the sake of time tonight, we won't jump off super deep into the idea, but understanding that there was sin in the bloodline of David and that David's family was not allowed to come before the Lord. And David was the first of ten generations that was able to come in. To the presence of the Lord as he was. But David's focus was never. I wish my father could have been here. I wish my grandfather could have been here. David said I was glad when they said I could be. Can I, can I turn somebody into an optimist tonight? The glass is not always half empty. 
Sometimes we've got to look at that half full glass and say, Lord, I want to thank you for the half that's in there because it could be a lot less. David never talks about the ten generations before him and what they went through and why they couldn't worship. But David said, as for me, I'm going to come into thy house and I'm going to worship toward thy holy temple. If we don't have any other reason to be thankful today, you may not have a daddy that's in the church. You may not have a mama that's in the church. You may not be, you may be a first generation in the house of the Lord. But you've got a reason to get up in the morning and say, God, I want to thank you that on this Wednesday night, I'm going to the house of the Lord. As for me, as for me, somebody shout that, as for me, (laughs) this is a bad time to look at your neighbor that's sitting by you right now. I don't care if it's your husband or your wife. It's a bad, bad time to look at your neighbor. I don't care if it's your kids. Because you got to make up in your mind. As for me. Yeah, as for me. Come on, somebody. Come on, Pastor somebody, somebody trying to help me right here. I know we sing, I don't know what you came to do, but I came to praise the Lord. But that's the really, really nice way of saying, I don't really care what you came to do. As for me, I, I, know, I know you may have you may have had a bad week, but you can't take it out on God. But if you do, that's between you and God. Church family, listen to your pastor tonight and let me help you. You are not giving God praise and thanks in the stead of one other person in this body tonight, collective at all. Because can't nobody tell it like you can tell it. What the Lord has done for you. Sometimes you just got to stand up, throw your hands in the air, put your head back and say, you don't know like I know what the Lord has done for me. And you can't tell it like I can tell it. And you can't dance it like I can dance it. And you can't clap like I can. I'm going to make a joyful noise unto the Lord as for me. Because all those folks that you've let hinder your praise and slow you down and keep you from worshiping, it's so funny to me people get mad at folks and come in and cross their arms on God. Amen. Y'all have heard me tell the story, my dad tell the story, my grandfather tell the story, it's ageless, it never runs out. I've had people, uh, I've told the story before around the country and people would tell me, I've heard the story, I just didn't know who it was, of my great-grandparents fighting on the way to church. How many of you remember the story? Okay, so I'll tell it to the rest of you. Good. We got church growth going. Thank you, Jesus. So Bishop Bingham, my, my papa, on the second row, his mother and dad, apostolic preachers, were on their way to church. And grandmother was quite the grudge holder. And they really had it out. And my great-grandfather, who I never got to meet, he died in 1968, the year that Bishop Bingham was building uh, the building next door. And just basically fell asleep sitting up in his chair, listening to the radio and 
His glasses fell on the floor, and when grandmother came to get him, uh, she reached over to touch him, and he had passed away. It was pretty simple. But while he was yet living, they were on their way to the house of God, and boy, they really got to bickering. And when granddaddy got in church, he was smiling and greeting everybody and shaking hands and the music was playing. He got to clapping his hands and stomping his feet and doing what we do, danced and shouted the whole nine yards. They went to leave and grandmother called him Bingham. She said, Bingham, you're a hypocrite. He said, why am I a hypocrite? She said, because you got out there and danced and shouted and all that stuff. And he said, well, Mom, I wasn't mad at God. I was mad at you. Yeah. Hey, that happened, folks. And you, you watch people. You, you watch folks. You don't, have to ta- you don't have to even ask them if they're into it with somebody. How y'all doing? We're all right. You liar. You ain't all right. I'll, I'll be fine tomorrow. And boy, they'll sit down and sulk up, cross their arms, get mad. It don't matter if you play the Star Spangled Banner or Power in the Blood. They're going to sit. Because they're mad. And they think that they're mad at somebody else. But they're taking it out on God. I've had folks get mad at me and sit on my preaching, but that don't hurt my feelings. Because they're not sitting on me. They're sitting on God. I, I don't know what I, I really don't. I'm just going to like chase this rabbit for just a second. I don't know what I'd do if I had to sit in a dead drive church. I'm going to say that as nice as I can. I do not know what I'd do if I did not feel out of place sitting with my arms crossed. I'm glad that I'm in a church that if I sit there for too long, I'm going to start feeling a little conviction because somebody that I know in this church who has already outlived more than I'll ever be through has stood up on their feet and raised their hands. There are people in this church that you would never know what they've been through by the way they worship. It's because God has been good to them and they don't worship based on where they've been. They worship because of who he is. I feel like telling you if the sun don't shine and the clouds hang low and the rain is falling, God is good. If I'm going through a valley, God is good. If I'm on the mountain, God is good. It doesn't matter where I'm at. If I'm at the hospital or the funeral home, God is good. If I've got a loaded bank account or an empty bank account, God is good. Sometimes you just got to declare it. As for me, I'm going to worship in the house of the Lord. As for me, I'm going to turn in the direction of the temple of God. Yeah. 
Are y'all ready to get wrecked? Come on. I had you on your feet for a second. So let's get wrecked. Lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness. You ain't even ready for this. Lead me in righteousness because of mine enemies. <laughs> God, teach me to do the right thing, even if they don't. Lead me to be righteous. I cannot justify my unrighteousness by the unrighteousness of others if I'm declaring to my heavenly father to lead me in righteousness because of my enemies. This is what he said. I want you to lead me in spite of my enemy and because of my enemy, because of what they've done to me, I want to do the right thing to you. Don't, don't miss that. If I spit that to the fifth row, you may miss that. Because of what they have done to me, I want you to help me do the right thing to you. I don't have time to break all this down Gerber style, but I want to tell you this. Jesus said it like this. He said, if you're trying to bring me a sacrifice, but you're not right with your brother, he said, you got to lay your sacrifice down and leave it there. Go get that right with your brother before you bring me that sacrifice. Look, when you own the cattle on a thousand hills and you created everything seen and not seen, visible, invisible, tangible, untangible, when you created all that, you have to understand, God doesn't need our sacrifice. He's not asking us for tithe and offering and sacrifice because he needs it. It's a matter of relationship. I don't think you could write a tithe check big enough to make the Lord raise his eyebrow and go, wow. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, you're not going to make God slide out on the edge of his throne and go, oh, wow. That dude right there is a giver. Because he searches your motive. And if you give a gift so that you can get a wow, that's your reward. Have I left the book yet? He said, if you want to fast for everybody to see you, if you want to pray like the hypocrites do out the street corner and get you a prayer shawl that's so long it drags the earth so that everybody thinks you're spiritual, he said, that's your reward. But I know who you are in secret, he said. I'll reward openly. Oh, God, man, I'm telling you. I will reward openly what you have done in secret. So don't, don't come to the Lord and say, Lord, because they've been mean to me, I have a right to have a wrong spirit. Sorry, Charlie. Don't work that way. My dad used to make me so mad when he'd say that. I'd tell him something I wanted. He'd say, sorry, Charlie. You can tell I'm marked. Because of mine enemies, Lord, lead me to righteousness. Even when my father was mean to me. 
he's here. He walked in tonight. I finally got him on the back row where I want him. I'd tell him, I'd say, Dad, I'm thirsty. He'd say, hi, thirsty, I'm Friday. He was a cruel old man. Lead me in righteousness, Lord. Church family, I want to talk to you about a little word. I want to talk to you about a little word here that I feel like God's trying to clean out of the church. The word is vindication. If we would pray for righteousness as much as we pray for vindication, it would absolutely astound us how good we would feel in the presence of the Lord. Have you ever brought something to the altar and laid it down, thought you did, and then when you go back to pray, it's like you still feel dirty? You understand what I'm saying? You've been at it with somebody, and you come up and you say, Lord, I turn that over to you. I'm tired of dealing with that. I just want to worship you. And you deal with him however you're going to deal with him, and then we leave. What we're saying is when we walk away is, I sure hope you vindicate me. Because you don't, you don't really mean it when you say, Lord, you deal with them however you, however you want to deal with them. I want to tell you that our prayer focus has got to shift. This, is not, this has nothing to do with my enemies and what they have done. He said, lead me to righteousness because of my enemy. And he never mentions one time what made them his enemy. Because the enemy is not the focus. The focus is righteousness. Wow, that's good. That's good. Come on. I, I don't care if my enemy ever does the right thing. I don't care if they ever make this right. I have to be right. I have to have a clean heart. If I'm going to ascend to the hill of the Lord, my hands must be clean. My heart must be pure. It's really, really difficult in the same mouth, with the same tongue, the same spirit, to say, lead me in righteousness, but deal with my enemy. And so the principle that I really wanted to slow down and get to you here right now, I need you to look at somebody that you trust pretty close to you right now. They're not going to smack your jaws. And just look at him and say, you're not God. Not only are you not God, you're not God's gift to humanity. You're not, oh man. God bless you, I'll see you Sunday. Y'all are dismissed. You're not God. You don't even know how to judge on the matter. Because if you judged on the matter, you would judge in accordance to your will. And then say it was God's will. Can, 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 we, can we pray what we call the Lord's Prayer together? Are, 
Are you all ready? You got, got your shoulder pads on? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. We haven't, we haven't even got to the good part yet. Our Father in heaven, you are pure, you are lovely. Oh, I can't even pray that without feeling something good. How good and how pleasant is your name, Lord. Hallowed, holy, sacred is your name. This sets the tone of understanding. If I'm going to love a holy God, I can't bring anything unholy into this prayer meeting. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Can we fill in blanks? I'm not adding to the word. But I want to fill in a blank. His kingdom can't come if my kingdom doesn't go. What's insinuated in this passage is as powerful as what is spoken. Because if his will comes, Brother Lang, my will goes. Man, I'm telling y'all, I feel the Holy Ghost up in here right now. If my kingdom comes, his will can't. So I can't be praying for vindication and walking in the will of God. Go ahead to verse 11, Brother Tyler. Give us this day our daily bread. Church family. There is nothing as powerful to speak into your situation as the word of God. I know that people think it's an old, dilapidated, outdated book. But I'm going to tell you right now, it is absolutely the most relevant book in all of society, anywhere in the world right now. It's the only book that you could take into a, a, a native village that has never heard of Messiah and it be as relevant to them as it is to somebody in a penthouse in New York City. It's relevant. It just works. But here's the issue, okay? Like I'm talking about the things that are implied are as powerful as the things that are spoken. If you're going to give me bread, that means I have to be empty. Am I helping anybody right now? I'm fixing to tell a bad story on Mike Bingham because he deserves it. I flew in to meet him in Tampa several years ago. He said, I don't care what you do, rent a car. I, I need to be able to get around. And the people that we were staying with, she, let's just say she cooks a little more healthy than he likes to eat. And he wanted to go get a hamburger. And so... He doesn't do anything without you going with him. You know, if he's going down, you're going down too. So I rented a car and I pulled up and he's like, dude, let's go get a hamburger. So we went, we went and got a, a hamburger. And I did not know when I pulled up and we went and got a hamburger that the woman was preparing us a meal. 
not good. So, man, I tanked up on a Whopper or whatever it was, something healthy, I'm certain. And I walked in the door, and Brother Gray, the woman, goes, Oh, guys, so glad you're here. Dinner's ready. And I was like, oh. What do you mean? Dinner's ready. She had made the most beautiful veggie lasagna that you, I mean, it was, it was gorgeous. And she sets it down in front of us. And I ate the piece that she sat before me because that's what my mom taught me to do through closed teeth. (laughs) You eat it and don't say a word. When we go into this pastor's house, if you don't like it, you eat it. That's why I'll eat anything. Because we, did, we just didn't ask. When you evangelize, you don't ask. And so, we got, man, I'm letting y'all in on the secret. And so, I ate. I ate. And honest to God, I felt like I was going to get sick. I was so full, but I didn't want to offend. And I looked over, and Brother Bingham was cutting the biggest piece of lasagna that you could imagine. And I'm, I'm saying, what in the world is wrong with him? This dude's got a, like a hollow leg. At which point he sticks the spatula down in, and Brandon, he lifts off this square of lasagna like that. And he goes, here, dude, you enjoyed that first round. Here's you some more. And he puts a half a pound or more of lasagna on my plate. I cannot tell you how good that lasagna was. But understand me when I tell you the goodness of the matter is irrelevant when you're full. God bless y'all. Thank you for standing. It is hard to taste the goodness of the Lord. I wish somebody would preach at me right now. Oh, God's so good, isn't he sweet? Oh, brother, I just love his word. Yeah, but you don't want to eat it. Oh, I, I do too. Yeah, but you don't have room for it. Because you can't bless and curse at the same time with the same mouth. And the reason Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread, is you need a dose of the word every day. Because if you don't have the word in you, you will be full of something. It may be bitterness. It may be a bad attitude. But you can't be full of that and the word. Go ahead, Brother Tyler. Go ahead. These, these folks are saying, please go to the next scripture. Okay. I love this part. I love this part right here. You, you do understand why we're still in Psalms 5, right? Lead me to righteousness because of my enemies. Okay, we're fixing to bring this thing around. And God, I pray that so-and-so would forgive me today. God, I pray that you'll deal with that situation that I don't know how to deal with today. Is that 
Is that verse 12 or is that the NIV? It might be. You never know. If it's even in there. It might, it might not be in there. Lord, forgive me as I forgive. Where's the enemy in this? You see it? Is there any vindication in this? Is this just Pentecostal preaching or is, or is this Jesus? Jesus said, Lord, I got some things we got to get forgiven here. And if you'll forgive me, I'm forgiven. I'm releasing. I'm releasing. I'm releasing. Jesus is showing us forgiveness comes by forgiveness. Forgiveness comes by forgiveness. It's a principle all throughout his word. Mercy comes by mercy. Oh, boy. Forgiveness comes by forgiveness. Mercy comes by mercy. Grace comes by grace. Whatever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. So, Lord, lead me in righteousness because of my enemies. Forgive me my debts, and I forgive my debtors. God, this is tough. But they owe that to me. No, you just forgave it. They owe me an apology. You just forgave it. Because you asked the Lord to forgive you. Well, until they apologize, I'll never speak to them again. Then don't ask for forgiveness. Oh, my, my. I'm getting up here so I can duck, okay? I want to I get behind the podium. I'm hurrying, I'm hurrying, I'm hurrying, I'm hurrying. Does anybody feel like I'm reading into this deeper than is there? Or, I mean, are we in the book? So I'm not, I'm not leading you in false doctrine for my name's sake, right? Pastor, I don't understand why, why you would take time to teach. on. I want to tell you why we teach on this stuff so much. It was a week ago tonight that I talked to you about Jonah. That Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh because he knew that God was merciful and he didn't want to be. If you get angry that God has forgiven people, then you didn't forgive the people. I want, I, I mean, I want to dance and shout as much as anybody else. I love it and I think it's part of it. But what I'm trying to get you to understand, church family, is this psalm, the reason I brought this to you the way that I did on Nihaloth, the the word that it's a musical term is because every bit of this is in rejoicing. This is rejoicing. I'm rejoicing in the fact That I don't have to carry this garbage around. Are are, are you hearing me? I was was reading. um, I can't remember which source it was today. I I was reading a couple different sources. It it may have been Rashi. I don't remember. But it it was alluding to the fact. That the way that this was written on Nihaloth. That 
This was actually for dancing. Like, actually, we want this tune to be like, woo, so, so you can get happy and dance a little bit. And I, I was reading down through there, and I'm thinking, foolish shall stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. What? And the Lord just dealt deeply with me. He was like, you don't understand. David was rejoicing at the fact that he doesn't have to be included in the workers of iniquity. You have a reason to rejoice that God can lead you in righteousness in spite of what your enemies have done to you. You can be righteous. Make thy way straight before my face. Make your way straight before my face. For there is no faithfulness in their mouth. Their inward part is very wicked. Their throat is an open sepulcher. They flatter with their tongue. Destroy thou them, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Cast them out in the multitude of their transgression. For they have rebelled against thee. But let all those that put their trust in thee. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, again I say, rejoice in the Lord sometimes. I think you're picking up what I'm putting down. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice in the Lord always. Come on, shout it out. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. Let those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Y'all, look at this. This is so powerful. Let them ever shout for joy. Why? Because they don't have to defend themselves. Oh, my God. That is so powerful. Thou defendest them. Let them that love thy name be joyful in you. Think about the power of this testimony. I can rejoice because the wicked have no power over me. They can't hold anything over my head because you, O oh Lord, defend me. Closing. Oh, my Lord. For thou, thou defendest them. Have you ever just had a time in your life where you go to the Lord and you, Elder, you're just like, God, if you just give me somebody to defend me. I mean. In my line of work, I often feel that way. But you know something is very liberating when you realize you don't have to go around defending yourself all the time if you just tell the truth and do what's right. 
And if somebody despises you for the sake of righteousness, you don't ever have to defend yourself. Ever. Because he defends the righteous. I was speaking with someone the other day, and I'm not going to go into detail because it's irrelevant. I just want to get the storyline. I was speaking with someone the other day. I've been going through kind of a, a rough spell. And some people were upset. And I, I said, well, what's, what's the accusation? And the accusation was, your scriptural stance is too strong. I said, well, you know, it could be worse. They could say, you ran around with somebody else's wife. Could have said you stole money. If the worst thing somebody can say about you is what is wrong with you, you stand on the word. You don't have to defend yourself. Period. That's why I want to do what's right in the sight of the Lord. Because I don't want to run around putting out fires that I started because of my unrighteousness and then asking the Lord to defend my fire. Oh, man. Did y'all leave me right there on that? Some of us don't need the Lord to defend us. We're asking him to be a fire hose because we keep starting them. It's amazing, it's amazing, it's amazing, it's amazing. That same tongue that starts a fire can put one out. In the tongue, there's the power of life and death. You can do it. You can put it out. You can stop it. If somebody wants to say something to you about your brother... You have every right, every right. Not here, brother. Not here. Because I don't want to walk, walk around having to defend my position. If I'll do what's right, God will defend my position. Okay, I'm closing with verse 12. I really do wish I had more time. This chapter is so powerful. For thou, Lord. This don't even feel fair, you know it. You're going to bless the righteous with favor. You're going to compass them as with a shield. That shield was the most visible part of the armor of a man. The largest piece. So large that if a man was killed on the battlefield, he could be carried back on that shield. It was as big as his body. And he could be taken back. And the psalmist said, your favor on me is going to be so big that it could carry me if it had to. The most visible piece of armor that a man carried was his shield. And David said, your favor is going to be so visible. But notice what he says. This compass, this compass word, is a word of literal surrounding. He said, this is not just the shield in front of me. But the favor of God 
Pastor, they've been stabbing me in the back. They can't even get to your back without passing through favor. On my right hand, they've been coming. On my left hand, you don't understand. They got to get through favor to get to you. Quit trying to defend yourself. You've got favor, righteous man. Let's stand together. You guys make the word of God so fun. I don't know of any greater joy that you could have in the house of the Lord than expository teaching and seeing people grow in their faith. But I can tell you tonight that I feel sorry for people that never know the true liberty and freedom of walking with God. My wife and I were speaking the other day about some situations in a, an individual that just being really frank, probably too frank, I don't know, too, too transparent, but it was like the individual was just habitually running in circles with a lie until finally they have to lie about this to cover up this one and then this one to cover up this one and then Ultimately, they've got nowhere to go. And I, I felt like a little kid again with my mom and dad teaching me. It may feel good to lie because it kind of gets you out for the, for the moment. But when the truth is revealed, like I can't imagine having to carry around all the time like knowing, what if they know the truth? Well, if I'm doing what's right, okay. You know the truth about me. The truth is I love God and I love the kingdom of God and I love the church and I love my family. and I love my wife and I love my children and I love this book more than I love money and I love this book more than I love fame. I love this word and I love it so much that nothing can replace it for me. So what do you have on me? You understand what I'm saying? It's liberating. It's just liberating. So I want to challenge you tonight. Do what's righteous. And when you go before the Lord to pray, just say, Lord, lead me in righteousness because of my enemies. And then don't tell him what to do with them. Don't, don't tell him what to do with them. Just leave them in his hands because he is by far more just than your pastor. He's by far more just than you are. He's a really good God. He's a good record keeper. Don't you love him tonight? Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you for being here on Wednesday night, church. I love you. Do you feel like the word's powerful? Man, it's so powerful. I love it. Hey, Amen. I love you. Let's pray. God, thank you for your church, for these precious people. Be with us. God, rest on us as we leave here. Keep your hand of protection upon us. Lead us in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. I pray, oh God, that your word would come alive in us as we leave here. Let it take deep root in us. In you we live and move and have our being. Keep us safe until our next appointed time. In the precious name of Jesus, let the church say amen. 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 Prayer meeting tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. Be dismissed in Jesus' name.